it's Greg Grunberg, uh, Snap Wexley from Heroes, and Commander Finnegan of Yorktown from a uh, little thing called Star Trek. And you are kneeling before the pod. Kneel Before Blog presents... Kneel Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another galactic edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and we're here to discuss Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi in more detail than we did before. We did our knee-jerk reaction after the midnight screening, so now we're here after having a week to reflect on it. Joining me in this galaxy far, far away from where you're listening, uh, we've got Angus representing the dark side. Why not? Good evening. And Isaac representing the light side. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I sense conflict in him. <laughs> Everyone's conflicted. And I'm somewhere in between, so we have a good balance to the, the force. There's been worse intros, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, how is everybody? Welcome aboard. I'm pretty full. <laughs> I did, some tea. I'm very well, thanks. Excellent. So, we've had a week um, to catch up on some sleep and digest this film and a few minutes to digest our dinners so uh, we hopefully have more coherent thoughts than we did last week when we recorded 13 minutes of wow that was something else <laughs> <laughs> quickest edit I've ever done but, uh, so yeah a week so what are your kind of spoiler free thoughts um, keep spoilers out of it for now uh, we'll delve well into it afterwards so Angus you go first um, yeah, it's interesting because um, my immediate reaction to to the film, I think, is probably quite different. Not, um, I don't know if it's massively different in a kind of positive or negative direction, but you know, with uh, the benefit of time and hindsight to think back on what I saw, uh, I've got a few more questions, a few more sort of thoughts about the trilogy, the new trilogy as a whole, where it's going. Um, and you know the yeah the, the direction of that. So I I still I still enjoyed it as a movie. I've compared it a lot more to um, Force Awakens and tried to kind of think about it in the context of uh, the original trilogy as well. Obviously, there was going to be a lot of comparisons drawn to Empire being the middle part. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm sure as we get into the kind of spoiler territory, we will talk about that a lot more. So you would say your reaction's a bit more measured than it was last week. Yeah, well, I think it was. I, I think it was maybe a bit more measured than than yours might have been. I think you were very positive coming out of it, um, and definitely, I mean, immediately coming out of the the screening and speaking to Isaac about it, I think we both thought that our immediate reactions to the Force Awakens were, you know, in a far far more positive. Whereas there's th- this one left me with a few questions on the night, and those questions have kind of like grown a bit and made me kind of think a lot more things about uh, as I've said about kind of where this fits in the overall Star Wars galaxy. So you haven't flipped and started signing petitions? <laughs> no definitely not, not that strong <laughs> Cool uh, that's a, that's an interesting spoiler free bit so Isaac what do you think? After uh, yeah it was good I still think like Force Wickens is better and this one it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's like it moves on moves all the characters on a bit 
Uh, it's a little bit structurally all over the show. Like, it's, it's not like... Yeah, I'll talk about spoilers, but it's not structurally great. But it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun as it's like fun action scenes and, and like, like it sort of pushes on, like, not what we, like, it's not an Empire film. It's maybe, it's not Return of the Jedi either. It's not, it's still kind of a Star Wars movie, but it's not like what, like, it's not the sort of expected Star Wars sort of movie. So it's fun to see. Um, yeah, it's fair yeah. enough. So again, a bit more distance from it has kind of made you reflect on it a bit, which is, I guess, the the aim of doing the knee jerk reaction versus our extensive, you know, discussion on it, uh, where we have a bit of time to reflect on it. I saw it a second time on Saturday in the new CineWorld 4DX screen, which I'm never going to again. It's a really, really distracting experience. I was going to say that was a free plug for Cineworld there, but actually it's turned out quite negative. It's an un- <laughs> Cineworld, yeah. Don't do this, yeah. Um, no, it's pretty distracting, but uh, that's not what we're talking about. But seeing it the second time, I liked it a bit. I actually liked it more the second time because knowing where certain plots were going, I could reflect on what the moments were more. You know, there was less. They always say that the second time watching a film can, you know, enhance your enjoyment of it, um, or if it's just. Or it can show you if a film is... Actually, this was okay to see once, but watching that a second time, it loses a lot. And I think this film gains more on repeat viewings. I mean, I, I haven't seen it again, although I will. Uh, I'll be seeing it again in a few days. So it'll be interesting to see what the third viewing's like. But yeah, I still love it. I think it's better than Force Awakens. Um, I certainly think it's it's up there with the best of them, although all the people doing their Star Wars rankings at the moment... I mean, I don't think it's fair to do that because I haven't had as long with this film as I have with any of the others so it's difficult to place it in context of the other six although it's better than the first three well the you know the prequel three <laughs> careful <laughs> just where it fits in relation to the original trilogy is up in the air for me at the moment so um but no love it i love this film so i think that, i think yeah, you so. bring up a, an interesting point about uh seeing it a second time, having a bit of time to reflect on it. I've only seen it that once, mm. and it was at the midnight screening with you guys, and, and that was immediately preceded by The Force Awakens. So obviously you're kind of getting built up uh, in this hype machine to uh, to see the, the latest film coming out. And I think that kind of colours your viewing of it, because I don't know if it's like a, you know, you want to enjoy it more because it's this massive kind of event. Um, so I do wonder how I, how I would react to it, seeing it a second time. I'm sure I will um, see it again pretty soon. Yeah, it's worth watching again. I mean, of course it is. Uh, or it needs to be because Disney spend enough money on these things so they want people re-watching them, don't they? So, you know, in their their quest to rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, after that, um, unless anyone has anything to add, can launch straight into spoilers and then get dig in, dig deep. Might as well. Might is it well. like a porg yell for the spoiler alert? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what the gods of editing supply. The good thing about Star Wars is it isn't short of sound effects. So it could be anything. Might be a pod racer. It's not every pod <laughs> So let's let's move on. So here we are. We're free to talk about whatever we want um, in relation to this film. I mean, we don't want to be getting too many tangents, even though we will. We always do. 
in terms of story, like this film, it struck the structure. Is there are four stories really, or there are certainly four locations typically. So you have you know Luke and Ray, you've got Kylo Ren and the First Order. I suppose they're part of the same story. Um, Finn and Rose, and who was the fourth one? Are there yeah, only that's three? Uh, Haldo and. Haldo and Poe Dameron. Oh yes, the Poe yeah. Dameron stuff. Yeah, Poe's sort of mini insurrection. Yeah. Well, a lot of the stories start off as a plot, like so. There's the rebels trying to get away from the first order, which is the, the, the opening plot, and then Rose and Thingy go off from that plot to their own one. Luke and Ray and Kylo Ren also have like two separate because there's the Kylo Ren and Ray. Like they're talking to each other, yeah. it's kind of a separate thing to the Luke thing, but they're kind of like intertwined all together. Those two, so it's like each plot kind of becomes a different plot at some point before it reaches the like before they all link together. Yeah, everything's connected. That is where it's like Empire or uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, where you have all these kind of branching plot lines with all the characters doing different stuff. Of course, the the stuff they're doing is widely different from that film but structure wise it's kind of similar in that respect and yeah. it worked for Empire Strikes Back and it because it gives the characters agency within their own story so it gives them something to do and I think here it's it's great because everyone's at the lead of their own story rather than just bouncing off each other on a different one and I think leading off with the the rebellion, the resistance <laughs> Uh, fleeing from the Empire slash First Order, um, you know, when that sort of kicked off, it, and, you know, you're obviously thinking about this in the Empire Strikes Back type context, you know, it kind of um, reminds you a lot of the, well, not so much the Hoth battle, but the escape from Hoth and the kind of scattering of the protagonists in that film. So I thought, you know, straight up we were kind of headed into familiar territory but of course as you say there's um, all these different kind of strands that give various different characters uh, their own adventures to, to kind of head off on Yeah and I wonder if every film in this trilogy is going to start off with um, with Poe Dameron doing something <laughs> obviously he was where we started in uh, Force Awakens and he's where we started here. He's I, the I instigator. Really so. Yeah, yeah. I've always put your most handsome man forward in the opening movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great opening as well. It was just that back and forth he had with with Hux was was excellent. Yeah, and Adrian Edmondson sort of he was he was there. He was <laughs> British actor that no one in the US has ever heard of, so was lost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Hooks is probably the best. He's, I think he's the character who is he's now far better than he was because originally he's kind of like just a Hitler in the first one. And this is like super fun, like he's a screaming incompetent and a big sort of... Uh, it kind of reminded like whatever the whatever Ben Mendelsohn is in Rogue One. You know how like he starts off like as a you know, big shot general and then no one list, like by the end of the film no one's listening to him. Yeah. It's, that's kind of the, that's a similar Hooks is just sort of screaming out of like you know respect through fear but really everyone's just sort of like just, just ignoring him like he's, he's, he's doing a rant but he's not really in charge sort of thing 
Yeah, it's industry interesting that they undercut him quite so quickly because, you know, they kind of build him up and yeah, as, you, as you've said, there's these kind of Nazi-esque speeches uh, in Force Awakens, and so you, you get the idea that they're building him up to this, um, I suppose, Tarkin-esque. Hitler-like figure, and then immediately into this film, he's uh, he's just being kind of messed with over the intercom. Well, I was far from impressed with him in Force Awakens because I just um, because I thought the way Abrams framed it was as if he was supposed to be kind of a terrifying leader type. Yeah. I kind of thought he was a whiny, entitled, incompetent man boy, you know. And this film completely leans into that part of him. You know, it's, it's as if Ryan Johnson saw that in Force Awakens and thought, "I'm going to run with this." And then did, and then it gives them definition, but it also gives the first order kind of a a bit of extra depth to it because um, the first order aren't the empire; they're like a pale imitation of the empire. It's kind of like the whole alt right philosophy that's cutting about just now is a pale imitation of fascism, you know, where where people are just trying to be more threatening than they are, and uh, I feel like that kind of rings true for both Kylo Ren and Hux. Yeah, so that's like in the next film. I'm guessing like in episode nine, they'll probably because like it's sort of like two people. Where there's no actual leader between the two of them, so that could be like they'll probably have a lot of fun with that sort of mm. yeah. There's sort of the power like two people trying to equally have power when neither of them have that much to like actual experience or know what they're doing. Well, I mean, Kylo Ren wants to be Darth Vader, but Darth Vader was legitimately terrifying to everyone around him, so they would listen to him. You know, they, you wrong Darth Vader, you get strangled, whereas you wrong Kylo Ren and he might break stuff. As a wee tantrum. <laughs> yeah, that's all he does. But by the end of this, he's attempting to kind of grow into that, um, you know, uh, big bad... Uh, role because uh, he's kind of asserting himself over Hux and even though through Force Awakens and the beginning of this film they're still you know fighting over who's got the power um, don't you think by the end of it they're, Kylo Ren is definitely kind of uh, in the driving seat he is but he's he's still insecure about it you know we're to compare him to Vader Vader was very casual about you know the fact that no one should cross him because the, the results speak for themselves whereas what you would get is Hux defying Kylo Ren and he throws him against a wall you know yeah. so it's it's kind of he has to keep proving why he should be in charge and but even Hux in keep challenging it you know even in Star Wars Vader was kind of you know on a bit of a leash to begin yeah, with you know he, he eventually became more of a an independent um, force of evil but uh, yeah. you know to begin with he was a bit of a uh, an attack dog almost yeah I'm still confused as to why that happened but I suppose it's because uh, A New Hope as it's now known was made before they even knew there'd be a sequel so yeah. you know um, Darth Vader wasn't as badass as he could have been yep. but even then he's not you know there is no real struggle between him and Tarkin it's clear that Vader respects him whereas there's no respect here at all agreed so yeah, the First Order, whiny, entitled, outright leftist man-boys. There you go. Or rightist <laughs> man-boys. <laughs> They're just very confused. Yes, they are. They don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I quite like that angle because it, it means that the the villains aren't too much to worry about in terms of their 
how formidable they are. I mean, it's only the fact that they've got bigger guns and more of them that makes them intimidating. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if Leia had those kind of resources, she would have them running screaming, probably. It's weird that we haven't had a Star Wars film yet where the Rebels have had, like, any actual weapon. Like, so they've had, like, a couple of Death Stars and they've got Star Destroyers and, like, the Rebels always got, like, just little, like, buses and like, little whatever. Like, surely they'll also have their own, like, Star Destroyer-sized ships kicking about. Yeah, it's... I mean, the, the the structure of the rebellion is not something the films have ever went into, but it seems like they've got a lot of like medical frigates and cruisers and, and things like that. But I suppose the closest is in the prequels when they were, well, the Republic were were the good guys, so effectively the rebels, um, even though they were the bigger organisation and the separatists were actually the rebels, but they had all the cool stuff. They had all the tech, you know. In terms of the, the sort of... Um uh, space chase part of the plot of Last Jedi. Do you think that the Empire would have uh, had better weapons and been able to catch the, the Resistance as they were kind of kiting them away? You know, they were always just out of reach, and that was a, that was a big part of the, the sort of ticking clock element of the plot was that yeah. they were you know r- rapidly running out of fuel, could only outrun them for so long. But you get the I get the impression that you know maybe the First Order. Definitely in this didn't seem like they had the capability to, you know, catch up with them, have superior firepower really, you know, from that range. It was like they, you know, they were being kind of uh, led on a bit of a chase rather than being able to overwhelm them with their superiority. I think they might have just been like, like toying with them. Also, the, they have a Death Star gun, which would have been super useful. <laughs> like, can they just use the big Death Star gun and shot them? Like, whether in, I suppose it, it's not, maybe it hasn't got much range on it. But I think they might have just been like, you know, we want them to suffer and like, we don't want to just blast them straight away. We want them to kind of, we want, we want them to realise that this is the end of their resistance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I see that as arrogance. I mean, what would Vader have done? Vader would have called in some Star Destroyers to hyperdrive in front of them. Job done. You know, that's the, that's the kind of no-nonsense tactics he would employ. But I feel like, according to Hux, the battle was already won. And he was just going to wait and enjoy the victory. Uh, so I think it's more like a cat toying with a mouse rather yeah. than. And so it's, you know, they're kind of. It was their own hubris that meant that they were just tailing them that long. Yeah, it was just villain being stupid because they're whiny and entitled. You know, they, they wanted to drink in the victory and that was it. So, I mean, there was nothing really stopping Kylo Ren from getting in his uh, cool ass TIE fighter and, and attacking them again, I suppose. It's interesting that they left. They let it go on so long. Then yeah. <laughs> they're obviously having a lot of fun just watching them kind of limp off because uh, they gave them quite a lot of time to do so. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I could see that. Um, I could see Hux just thinking that plan would work, but not bothering with it because he doesn't think it's necessary. You know, he makes the classic Saturday morning cartoon villain mistake. You know, leaving it too long to monologue and giving <laughs> your, you know, giving your adversary a chance to escape. Uh, that's what I think, anyway. Um, that's perhaps headcanon. Uh, it's maybe just something that Ryan Johnson didn't think or care about. You know, it's like the Hitchcock thing where he said, uh, why don't these people just go to the police? Because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely it's, didn't feel like the... When the chase began, it felt like it was, you know, a way into the movie, not that it was going to be such a um, a major kind of plot point. 
but I suppose it did give that it did give the other characters who weren't uh, running about an island with Luke Skywalker something to do. It also kind of works because Poe Dameron just gets really antsy. You know, he wants to be doing something or he just wants something to happen. So he's sitting there, you know, just um, not knowing what to do with himself, and he's getting frustrated with his leadership for not um, doing anything about it. But his character is that he's impulsive and makes mistakes. I mean, the whole thing is. He gets a lot of people killed at the start for something that's not really that great a victory uh, on balance. So the the thing about it is their tactics do work because Poe Dameron is the way he is. But then, um, but Leia and Admiral Haldo, she's well, they're both very very experienced and know what they're they're doing and know that they have time to come up with something. You know they're playing the long game effectively. What did you think of the of the Ray and Luke um, plot? Because obviously the whole, a lot of um, Force Awakens is is about the kind of search for Skywalker, the the map that everyone's questing after. That's the whole um, reason that Kylo Ren is pursuing Poe and BB-8. Um, and so you know the, the big build up was really kind of to the point where BB-8 and R2. Uh, unite the map pieces and they finally find the way to Skywalker it gets left on the cliffhanger uh, literally as uh, Ray's holding out the lightsaber to Luke and then and then, so you know the expectations for this film were you know it's the return of the Jedi yeah and instead it's the end of the Jedi yeah effectively which is um, which is interesting because the thing is it could have played out with a very similar beats you know where you've got Luke as an Obi-Wan style character who's very wise and very knowledgeable and imparting all this wisdom and you know that's not really that interesting um, or at least on paper it's not that interesting I think him um, having him be a broken man who's kind of consumed by all his mistakes and has turned his back on everything is great and also subverting the expectation that that fans of Star Wars have about the, you know, Luke Skywalker has this legendary status because he was in the original trilogy, he was the hero of the original trilogy, and then to see him reduced to a crazy, a crazy old hermit on a on the top of a mountain, essentially, is also interesting. You know, it's it's a great way to take the character. Yeah, and I think that people's expectations, you know, just from overanalyzing the trailer and seeing all these images of what looked like Ray training with the lightsaber, you know, people were thinking that they were getting a uh, Luke on Dagobah 2.0 um, you know training montage almost um, but yeah and, and some of the criticism I've seen you know uh, especially kind of in relation to people's favourite characters from the original trilogy the way Han is dispatched in The Force Awakens and the way that Luke's story comes to an end here Um people feel like they've been given short shrift but I think that, you know, this trilogy is all about introducing new characters and, and you know, and, uh, starting off a whole new story, a whole new saga and if you think about, you mentioned um, old Ben Kenobi there as well he, if you think about his kind of character in uh, Star Wars 
he's an old guy. You don't really get much of his backstory. He, he tells you a little bit. And, and then, he lies about what he does tell you. Yeah, and then he's gone by the end of it. And, yeah. you know, obviously his story kind of was developed from there. And as you said already, they didn't really know what direction they were going with it. And he was kind of given a bit more. And then with the prequels, we've gotten all this backstory of of his adventures with Anakin, etc. I think people are just a bit too spoiled in terms of uh, having all these different pieces filled in because people's criticisms about Han and Luke's, you know, Futures after the after they conquered the empire, uh, you know they've had years and years to kind of fill in the gaps with their own theories, with their own stories, and then this just happens to be the the way that things have gone, the canon. Uh, and I gather that some people are a bit disappointed with it. Personally, not really. I don't. I don't kind of feel that those uh, criticisms are valid. I mean, I think they're valid in terms of if you have an expectation of what you want from a certain film, then and you don't get it, then that's um, that that is valid. You know, if you wanted Empire Strikes Back two point that's, <laughs> that's a reasonable expectation, especially based on what you saw in Force Awakens. It just looked like, based on that film, it looks like the rest of the trilogy is going to be a mirror of the original trilogy, which to me is very boring. I don't want to see that because I've already seen it. I'd rather wa- I'd rather see something like this that pushes things forward and and. Um, future proof the franchise effectively um so subverting my expectation of what i was going to get from luke was great because it plays much more into the kind of personality that mark hamill has as well you know ever since star wars wrapped up in whatever year return of the jedi stopped filming um he has become like a prolific voice actor you know people that follow him on twitter know he's quite a jokester and 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 this version of luke he's much more kind of He's he's very off the wall, which is you know maybe it's maybe it's letting the actor meet the character in in the middle somewhere. But I quite like the fact that he's just able to cut loose a bit and, and play the role differently. And he's never been better than he has in this film as, in this role. Well, I don't really remember the old ones that well. Like I think I watched them ages ago. So when it comes to the old characters, I'm not too fussed. Like I don't I don't like I know they'll be in like they have you know Leo and Luke and. Uh, Han Solo in the first one, but yeah, like he's he's just there to pass the baton on, really. Uh, so I mean, I don't think he's like I don't think they'll get I don't think they you know I don't think there's the last of sin of him because you know Force Ghosts and all that the same way that you know Obi Wan was in the other old ones, even yeah. though his character died in the first film. But like yeah, it was a it was a fun little weird old hermit man, and he he was. Uh, like I, I said, I didn't really like. Like after a while, I'm not. I'm not a super fan of his his big entrance at the end. It's a bit. The Phoenix has a lot of sort of, you know, his his time is done. Is is so against what he used to be. He doesn't want the warrior life. It's kind of plagued him forever. And then, like at the end bit, where he just turns upon crate and his. Back old, good old fashioned, you know, young Luke Skywalker with a new haircut and stuff. It just seems a bit. <laughs> it seems a bit like sort of like, oh, don't forget, like you gotta, gotta have, you know, we can't have a Star Wars film with Mark Hamill. And it, you know, it has to have a bit of old feeling, you know, boyish Luke, boyish Luke's adventures as opposed to just. He, he could have just like, except for like I'm far more interested in like the raised element of the story, so like. He's now gone right. That's he's taught everything he can. That's kind of him. It's kind of his thing done. And he gets the yeah. He gets the end 
the end sort of bit, the climax of the movie, and it's a bit, it's a bit underwhelming. Okay, <laughs> so that's why I sort of came out of the film. I was like, uh, okay, like it, <laughs> that, that ended like an hour early. Then, it, like, it ends, yeah. So it ends. It should like the big crescendo is the throne room, the big middle bit, all our questions, all the things we've been, you know, building up to. It's all answered. We got a big thingy, and then the film continues for a bit, and we go to crate. And Luke, Luke turns up, and it's like we don't need like we don't really need any of this. This hasn't, <laughs> had, this hasn't added anything. It's just extra stuff, just more Star Wars for our money. But it doesn't really just a bit of a like a a slow sigh towards the credits. <laughs> See, I, I would disagree with the, the little ending thing. I thought the the crate scene was was really well done, um, and. I like that Luke got a kind of final confrontation with Kylo Ren, but it was more of a ideological confrontation than it was a physical one. Because, you know, Luke isn't physically there. Um, but it's the idea that he's kind of showing Kylo Ren that everything he's learned and everything he thinks is a lot of nonsense. And um, and then he's he's doing that kind of grand gesture to, to let things continue on differently. You know, he's He's sacrificing himself so that the universe can be can continue on without being burdened by the past, effectively. Except there for like, Leia. So there, is the, there is the shot where it's like both of them stood there with lightsabers, and it's like it's so close to a Mortal Kombat. We're waiting for the you know, and it sort of like zooms in a bit, and they're both at either side of the doodad. Like you could have put health bars above that, <laughs> like right there. It's like okay. Fight, sort of thing. It's just like a, oh, here it comes, everybody. Here's the big bit. It was a bit sort of, yeah. I thought it was cool that they built it up as if it was going to be the showdown to end all showdowns, and then it was, it wasn't. You know, yeah. And the thing is, we've seen so many of these end fights in Star Wars movies. You know, where the the good guy and the bad guy they meet and they they ignite their different coloured lightsabers and then they hit them together a few times and have banter in between and then. One of them either dies or escapes, or loses a hand. Yeah, I appreciate the 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 difference there, and them kind of pulling the rug out from people's expectations. And I I did like it. I um, noticed at the time and thought, what? How did he manage to dye his beard and get a haircut <laughs> <laughs> on his travels there? But then you know, it's all revealed. It's all the guardians to- on them on whatever the planet's called, Acto. Oh, the it's little matron. <laughs> he just pops down to the like fish barber or whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. So it was. I thought it was pretty cool. His whole sort of force projection. Uh, and then I, I've you know, I, I, he was definitely the hero uh, for me all the way through the original trilogy. I I really enjoyed his character and his kind of journey through that from farm boy staring at the sons on Tatooine and then so that gave me those kind of chills at the end you know as he was like levitating and staring at the sun one last time with the force theme yeah they're always pulling on the heartstrings with the music (laughs) yeah and the the sort of mirror between the beginning and the end of his journey was was yeah Yeah. well I can understand why people are upset that you know he his sort of heroic journey all the way through the original trilogy to um, bringing balance to the force Ending the emperor, all that kind of stuff. People want this kind of happy ending for him, and so they're they're you know maybe upset that he went into this life of solitude on a rock in the middle of the sea, milking strange animals. But <laughs> um, yeah. you know that 
that's happened. It's happened. That that's the way his story ended, and he was able to take part in another kind of massive set of events in the galaxy. And I, even though I, you know, am maybe one of those people that would have liked to have seen him kind of live happily ever after, I still I still find that it was like a satisfying end to his story. So far, you know, he might turn yeah. up with like a blue, uh, a blue outline. Yeah, yeah a blue halo of light around him. Hundred percent, hundred percent likely that. He'll be in the next one as a as a force ghost, especially with J.J. Abrams making it. <laughs> yeah, the and the thing is, I mean, if he had the Dagobah 2.0, what would have been interesting about that? I mean, you would have just probably had a a retread of similar information that we've already got, and Ray kind of learning it or asking slightly different questions. And what would they have done? They would have done a riff on the lifting the X-wing scene. They would have done a riff on the well, they did a riff on the cave anyway. Although I think this was just. Yeah, the version <laughs> of the cave was interesting. I mean, the fact is that the thing that the dark thing that's hiding underneath is is a mirror. You know, that's not subtle at all. It's just completely, <laughs> it, you know, completely. Yeah, it's what your problems are inward. Like that's that's the issue. And I mean, that's, the the cave stuff in Empire Strikes Back still confuses me to this day. But I think it's, you know, I think the idea is that Luke has the potential to become that, um, whereas Ray is kind of fixated on herself you know because she is kind of self-absorbed she does she i mean her purpose in this or her desire in this film to is to find out her place in the universe um and i like that it turns out that she doesn't actually have one you know the her parents aren't important her journey isn't important in in the in a kind of galactic sense you know she's not she's not a skywalker she's not a solo she's not a kenobi she's not a palpatine she's just someone i guess more saying that it's not saying that you're not important. I think it's more saying that you don't have to have had an important yeah. history. Like you can, you can still be like you can still be a hero, but you don't have to have been a you know from a great. You can like anyone can you know be a hero when they show like you know she wants to know who her parents are and she sees herself reflected. I think it's more like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It's like your what you do is your like. That's like your legacy is, and it doesn't matter what you're like. Your parents could have been anybody, but what you're like, what you'll be remembered for, what your future is, is all dependent on your actions. And it also mirrors what Luke said about if you strip away the myth and look at the deeds of the Jedi, the the legacy they have is failure. You know, they weren't that they weren't that impressive when you really look at what they what happened to them and what they did and what they became. And the fact is, strip away the kind of the myth of the Skywalkers, what. You know what Luke did is what defines him, and what he's doing now defines him, and what he does next defines him. But at the end of the day, the fact that he's a Skywalker has no bearing on anything really. Yeah, and I think you need to you need to kind of tear down a bit of that legacy of the of the two trilogies that have come before, because if not, you're just kind of doomed to repeat the the same story over and over again. So it was it's refreshing to have something new, a different kind of outlook on it all. Yeah. And I would have, I would have absolutely hated it if coming out the you know where she says show me my parents and coming out of the mirror was a kind of CGI shot of uh, Ewan McGregor or Alec Guinness you know revealing that she was Kenobi's daughter and I would just I just think that's boring because it doesn't add anything other than the fact is oh my god she's connected to someone we once knew and but it doesn't tell you anything about her it just kind of tells you where her DNA comes from which is 
pointless, especially now that they've recontextualized the force away from this midichlorian nonsense <laughs> and they've, they've made it about this. It's just a thing that balances itself in different ways. You know, so the, the fact is that, that Snoke was around and Kylo Ren was around, so that was a, a lot of darkness kicking about. So the force essentially chose Rey as a as an avatar for itself to to balance that out. Yeah, so stripping away legacy. I mean, that's that's kind of a theme of this film. Uh, and I think that it's important. I mean, Star Wars is a franchise that needs to persist because Disney didn't spend four billion on something that they just want to wrap up in the next film. You know, they want they want it to endure, and you can't endure if you just keep clinging on to the old the old guard because they you know they're they're not getting any younger. Uh, one of them sadly died unexpectedly, so can't be in the next film. Um, so you're kind of stuck. You have to keep moving and you have to keep it interesting. And then and rather than having endless, endless processions of future generations of the, the big families, you know, what can you do? You can you can build it so that anyone can be a hero and the, the force can be strong with anyone. It doesn't matter. Yep. Someday we're going to see a standalone film about that kid with the broom. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be Ray's apprentice in the next film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved that shot, actually. I loved that end sequence, you know, just where they... Well, they were telling the story of Luke Skywalker, which is, you know, here's that legend uh, once again. Um, and then the, you know, the force pulling the, the broom towards him as he kind of looks out into the into the stars. It's, it's just really interesting because it just it suggests that, yeah, we don't know who this kid is and we don't need to know. The fact is that they're things are changing. What about Finn? He was a big part of The Force Awakens and he's... Oh yeah, he's in this, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) He's got a whole other sort of set of adventures to go on in this one. Weirdly disconnected adventures. Yeah. Or they feel disconnected, but, uh, you know, they they pay off with the kid at the end. (laughs) It all ties back to that ring. Yeah, it does. Um, Well, sort of. It's the kind of idea that, yeah, the rebellion will have to come from somewhere. And it's going to come from the the roots of society, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, the underdogs and stuff. Yeah. Inspired by casino jailbreaks and things. <laughs> well, the thing is, um, I actually thought the, the Canto Bite, or is it Canto Blight? Whatever it is. Blight. Yeah. That planet, the casino planet. Um, it, it's interesting, like, the, the whole thing that they don't ever mention before is that like the First Order or the Empire was allowed to exist because the rich allowed it to exist because presumably it's beneficial to them and it's kind of, if you look just underneath the surface you see this undercurrent of oppression that's powering this whole engine and um, and you don't have to look that hard to find it, you just have but there's people just willfully ignoring it as well because it, it suits them to do so which, you know, a very modern idea well, we also find out that it's not just the supposed bad guys that are buying weapons and you know funding these people's lifestyles, but the uh, apparent good guys as well are, are uh, also kind of warmongers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could that be a reference to the the thing in our world at the moment? You know, where I mean, to use the term social justice warrior, where people say I'm going to boycott this for this reason, but it's the idea of like. How you know? How far do you take your your ethics? You know, at what point can you? I mean, what what do you have to do to exist in this world? Yeah, how easy how easy is it to unravel all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it gets to the point where you can't 
use power because that power comes from things that destroy the planet, you know. I suppose it is an interesting um, direction for Star Wars, which has always been a kind of good v bad, light v dark, black versus white, red versus blue, <laughs> whichever other kind of binary you want, yeah. binary suns. Um, and now there's a, you know, there's all sorts of shades of grey. Dare I say? Yeah, well, stuff sitting in the middle. Yeah, it, I think it's more interesting that way because it, it does allow all the characters to straddle that as well. Because Ray doesn't um, conform necessarily to the light side completely. She's completely governed by her emotions for a start. Um, Kylo Ren is, well, he's trying to be evil, but he's not very good at it. Yeah, Finn was programmed to be evil, rejected it, pretended to be good for a while, yeah. but just tried to get away with it, and then ended up, you know, being a bit more heroic at the end of Force Awakens, and then he's back to his kind of, uh, you know, slightly cowardly ways as he's attempting to uh, escape by yeah, himself well, again. He was also kind of seduced by the whole glitz and glamour of the planet uh, until it was pointed out to him. So he was also ignoring everything that you know was making the society work so that's that's interesting in itself it's what people have to do to get through the day i suppose in in these types of situations mm. ignore the people worse off than me because i don't feel i can do anything about it you know yeah so that's we understand real, that's just real life though isn't it that's yeah. not style that's not style <laughs> <laughs> that's just well, I mean, ultimately participates in the whole um the, the whole jailbreak of the alpacas. You know, yeah. and, the alternative title for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> jailbreak of the alpacas. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that sequence is a bit prequely, actually. All these weird animals running around, destroying stuff. It was it was good fun, though. Like, it was bright and shiny, and it was sort of newish. Like, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a fun sort of middle, like, does an action scene sort of keep everybody sort of awake and focused and happy and there's a lot yeah. of new world events in I understand why it fits into the story but I don't know how it, un- how it fits in I don't um, yeah I don't know maybe you guys can explain it to me about uh, how you think if it works or not the fact that they're able to um, you know sort of um, sneak off and take part in this uh, separate sort of uh, caper I think it goes on a bit long um, maybe, but I think the spirit of the the sequence or these scenes is interesting. Like I said about the class divide and and the the role of slavery in this universe and things, uh, that, that's an interesting message. And the the shades of grey brought in by this DJ character who was a bit weird <laughs> was was fine as well. And I also quite like the idea that there's an entire universe outside the window. You know, you see, you see this kind of insular perspective from the the rebels or the empire or the resistance in the first order, but you don't really see much of the world around them and how it normally works. So it's, it's oh, but when that you insight. when you delve too deep into that, you get you know nightclubs on Coruscant and yeah. death sticks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying it was all great, but. It's, um, <laughs> You know, it does give you scope, though. You know, it, what we're saying is, we want to understand more about the workings of the Galactic Senate. Well, that's it. I need a, I need a really long political dispute about uh, trade, trade routes and <laughs> the cost of fuel in this economy, and I don't know what else they want. To talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. 
I, th- I think there are there are good ways to show things like that. You know, you can. George Lucas made the mistake of telling you and not showing you, whereas this is trying to show you without telling you. Although it doesn't tell you enough, I suppose. Just searching for that balance once again. That's it. It's all about balance. But it's a major <laughs> theme in this film: is balance, finding that. You know that that's, the truth is somewhere in between, isn't it? You know the the resistance aren't. They, they, their hands aren't clean because they're buying from the same people the First Order are buying from but what they do with that is different I suppose Yeah and we get a couple of different perspectives It's, I think it's kind of unique to this film that we are told things from Kylo Ren's point of view or he, he presents what happened in a, a certain light and Luke also tells Ray um, about what happened between them and so you get these kind of different sequences um, you don't know what to believe until um, I, I don't know if I still know what to believe <laughs> well I mean it's interesting that yeah Luke lies about it which suggests that he's ashamed of what he did and then that's backed up by what he says later when he tells the truth or what you assume to be the truth mm-hmm. so Kylo Ren's perspective on it is that my master came into my room at night and tried to kill me Yeah, and then Luke's perspective is I went into his room at night and thought about killing him but decided at the last minute that that wasn't the way forward but then he woke up that's still not good though like it's like I only thought about trying to murder a child (laughs) I'm totally innocent like Like father like son yeah (laughs) and isn't that the thing that like all dark side was it like the reverse but like aren't all dark side apprentices supposed to kill them it's just a standard that they kill their master to like carry on sort of thing so Sidious Plagueis Vader to Sidious yeah Kylo Ren to Snoke so in a way it's the most light side thing you can do murder your own apprentice (laughs) yeah (laughs) total reverse Sith well yeah um, although the the thing is Luke was afraid of the um, the rising darkness that he sensed which you know if you think back to Yoda fear was the first step on the path to the dark side I suppose uh, so Luke was terrified of, the, of what was happening thought he could put a stop to it and then he decided hang on that's not the way and then the end result of it was well what happened and then uh, he, he spends the next 20 years no it's not as long as that it's probably 10 years isn't it uh, probably Kylo Ren's in his 20s he can't be any older than 17 16 17 yeah in that mm-hmm. so um, so yeah the next 10 years happen as it is and Luke spends the next 10 years ashamed of himself and shutting himself off from the universe and I mean it's, it, it, I can see why he would do that but I can also see why he would be terrified of the fact that a new Darth Vader could arise from you know from his DNA I suppose yeah well I suppose his Darth Vader was his DNA yeah yeah I suppose it's like, it's like well yeah it's not it's not like you know it's not you're not a goodie forever sort of thing so really, anyone like any was it? Anyone can eventually like become evil or turn to good, or well, it's not. Well, they could do you know questionable things, or you know the morals could be mixed up, or all sorts. It's also you're not always good or always bad, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Because I don't know. Even the best person probably does questionable things now and again. Um, you, you may 
have a desire to be a good person, but you know the the fact that you're human or whatever alien in Star Wars you happen to be kind of gets in the way. And the fact is that you, the fact that the Jedi in their prime would forbid any of these dark impulses, or forbid strong emotional attachments, or for you know the the kind of Jedi code is a list of do not, um, which is kind of short-sighted and ultimately caused Anakin to become evil because he was hiding these things that he thought were natural but according to the Jedi were not and um, Luke sort of embraces the fact that yeah, you can't be great all the time and that seems to be the key doesn't it? Yeah well even at the end of Jedi he kind of you know starts raging out and <laughs> that's yeah. what ultimately kind of leads that film to a close Yeah. so he does, uh, he, he's kind of shown in the past that he's uh, prone to it and the the Yoda cameo was was interesting in that respect as well, because uh, Yoda was encouraging Luke to forget all the forget everything he learned essentially because it wasn't important anymore. And um, I get the impression he doesn't feel like Luke had the the cojones to burn the tree down like he was threatening to. <laughs> so he was like, "Yeah, I'll do it for you. It's fine. Uh, we don't need it anymore. It's not important." Although um, I did catch. On the second viewing, that uh, Ray is hiding the the books, the Jedi texts, and the a drawer on the Millennium Falcon. Mm. Well, they are they are like it's a great scavenge. <laughs> like it's like as part of a scavenger, it's like a, a basically nick any part for profit. That's worth it. Like they're worth a lot of portions. Like the last <laughs> Jedi thing. <laughs> it's just standard. It's just standard. Yeah, like standard impulse. Yeah, um, she sees something old and interesting and just wants to nick it. Yeah. This will fetch me a fortune on eBay. Classic, slightly used Jedi text. <laughs> <laughs> but I always got the impression that, that Yoda was... I don't know, maybe he wasn't... like Even in the prequels, he's not comfortable with the way the Jedi were operating at that point. It was just... I don't know, he just didn't... I suppose he just didn't want everybody to be murdered, but... You think Hermit Yoda is true Yoda? Oh, definitely. He's the kind of... Yeah, he's a mischievous, wise old being. Uh, but his mischief always has meaning to it. So, you know, he he breaks the... He, he burns the tree down and, and laughs about it. But the true intent of that is stop li- stop lingering on the past. Think think outside the box. Think about something new. Think about what will happen next. And um, it was the whole idea of the apprentice thing. You know, that we are what they... But they grow beyond. That was that was a great line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose it's interesting that they've, in relative terms, so much of the kind of Jedi order and teachings and stuff has just been undone in you know a, what's really quite a short period of time. For what we know, uh, is actually you know been going on for a long time in the Star Wars universe galaxy. Um, it's all kind of been reversed and undone now. Yeah, but I don't really see it as a complete abandonment as well because, I mean, as bad as the prequels are, the one thing they do get right is the fact that the Jedi are idiots. You oh, yeah, I think, it's a, let- I think it's interesting that you've got all this Old Republic stuff and, um, you know, all the, the however long the Jedi Order's been going on for, for it all now to be um, thought of by the remaining last jedi and whoever else might be a force user in the future it's it's interesting that it has this new direction yeah everybody gets to blaze their own trail now and, mm-hmm. and see what and 
I suppose the original Jedi texts are there to learn from the mistakes of the past, um, interpret them differently, find out what went wrong, and try and change it up. I mean, I suppose that Ray will have to train a new generation of Jedi, which is a bit weird because she's done nothing. You know, she doesn't know that much. But I suppose that's a good idea as well. She can start from scratch, but um, which means she'll probably have a few evil apprentices over the, across the way. <laughs> It's a difficult one. I mean, it, it opens up a can of worms just seeing how all this plays out. But I can understand why get, people get annoyed by the fact that, okay, all this stuff I've essentially devoted my fandom life to about, you know, reading about this stuff, thinking about the way the, the Jedi work, the Force works, the good side, the bad, the dark side, the light, all that stuff, is now thrown out the window because cause this director, this new director decides to throw it out the window. But then... I think it would have just stagnated if we just went through the same old rubbish, you know, the same old, <laughs> you know, vague, vague lessons, that vague poetic lessons that don't really mean anything. I don't think we need more of that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely leaves the door open for, um, you know, we're, we have no, we can have no idea what is to come next, really, because if this had been a carbon copy of Empire or if it had, you know, been enough of a, Facsimile, we you'd have an idea of what the sort of um, resolution to this story would be, but you know, I'm kind of uh, optimistic about the fact that things have changed quite a lot. Yeah, where does it go now? What happens next? Who knows? I mean, it could go anywhere. I think it'd be super nice, like if the end of this wasn't like a side wins. Like, how it'd be really cool to see a, a resolution or a peacetime, like. The first order don't have to, like, they don't have to be the villain. They can, like, you know, they can sort of join up. Like, if you want to go, like, you know, for a theme of balance, maybe Kylo Ren and Rey could ultimately just work together for a better universe. That'd be nice. That'd be a really nice sort of, like, oh, yeah, we're not going to see, like, the Rebels win or the First Order win. Maybe they just they just stop fighting and, and it ends in a peaceful resolution in which they both aim for the, like, a more forward universe. They all come together, sign treaties, and form a kind of galactic galactic union. Yeah, form a galactic union. I'd really like to see that. It'd be great if they just went. It's like, actually, we've got to a point where this is all just really dumb and stupid. And literally everything's been at war for ages. Like, why don't we just pull both of our things together? Like, yeah, they both have different viewing opinions, but, like, the world does. Like, the world has different viewing opinions, and ultimately it's not always at war all the time. I think it'd be a good way to... It'd be a new way to end a Star Wars thing. Let's go on. Both, and in the end, everyone decided to sort of... Just enter a peace time. They can still disagree on stuff. Star but, peace. Yeah, Star just, have a, just have a peace for a bit. <laughs> it's how they arrive at that that would be the... You know, the thing. What, what, how are you going to turn it into a Christmas tentpole action movie? Um, if it's just going to be people signing a bit of paper. You know, you would have to... They have to arrive at that through some significant loss, I think. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I mean, well, the, we, uh, the ultimate end of the you know, the ninth film is, yeah. oh, that's just peacetime. Yeah. What, why are we fighting? What are we yeah. fighting about? What's, what's all this about? It's just, a, yeah. it's just, again, this has happened so many times in this galaxy that one side has won and the other side has got incredibly bitter and rose up and, and a fractured well, we state that, has become powerful. And We know that they've got each other on speed dial, so... Yeah. Yeah, what did you think of what did you think of the sort of force telepathy um, 
conversations they had throughout this. It's a good way to bring them together without bringing them together. So, you know, I mean, how else do you have your essentially two leads, I suppose, have a conversation when they're on different sides of the galaxy? And this is how you do it. You know, The Force Provides, which I think should be the title of the third film. Or the ninth Terrible. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I've never stopped saying The Force Provides. It's the worst thing I could imagine. <laughs> the Force Abides. <laughs> the Force Abides. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's a good way because you can have as much or as little interaction as you need to. You know, you don't have Kylo Ren hiding about on Act O just being like, I'm, you know, I can't let Luke see me. And he's like, he's like Ray's boyfriend sneaking in the window, you know. With the disapproving dad in the other room, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and the guard dog, Chewie, outside. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, Chewie, who definitely wants to rip his spine out because he killed his best friend. <laughs> Has anyone got any proper nitpicky comments? Like, for example, I, don't, I feel like Kylo Ren's costume is far better in the first film. And also, <laughs> also his powers are far better. Like, in this one, he's got, like, a weird... It's like a weird sort of greasy looking tunic and like a cape like a proper cape whereas in the first one he had like the scavenger hood and the shoulder cape and he had the like the different texture on his like his arm things he looked super cool and like he could force freeze people he could force freeze lasers where this way he doesn't he doesn't go crazy force wise like he he does some force pulls and some force pushes well what I know is I'm sure there probably is an explanation for this but he drops his mask before he kills Han Solo and yeah. then he runs off into the snowy woods without his oh, yeah. mask. And, and then to, some guys to run back and pick his mask. Yeah, <laughs> he's someone has to go and collect that for him because then Starkiller base sort of implodes, and he's got this. It's, it is the same mask because he's you know it's all kind of beat up and stuff. So yeah. someone had maybe to go back and fetch that for him. Maybe just maybe the beat up masks is like stylish, you know, stylized. He's a you know because he's such a special snowflake. What he's done is he's a crafted, you know, hipster style he wears damage and all of his ripped work. jeans and authentic <laughs> battle damage mask <laughs> <laughs> or in the wreckage of Starkiller Base, the mask was floating around just, you know on, um... I think he's got his own like personal mask retriever because he had Darth Vader's helmet that someone must have like nicked out that funeral pyre at the end of yeah. Jedi uh, you know, so he's definitely got someone He's got someone else on speed dial that can be like, mask, need it now. <laughs> I'm glad also, um, I'm glad they got rid of the mask, though, because, it's, it's again, it, it takes him away from being the Darth Vader analogue, doesn't it? Yeah. Also, it's like, it's super convenient. Like, do the Empire have every type of weapon on board their Star Destroyers? Because they land on crate, and it just so happens to be great for them to have attacks and a big a big gun on wheels. Whereas if they landed on like if it was like an Acto planet, it's like do we have do we have all the boats ready or if it was like Coruscant and there's like a floating city like do they do they have like every possible outcome planet wise as a weapon just with them? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't see why not, I suppose. Maybe they just have like unpacking crates where they can just build this stuff. I mean, the Star Destroyers are massive, so, you know, why not? Yeah. When he chopped Snoke in half, <laughs> uh, the lightsaber ignites through him. Did he kind of wiggle it around and then pull it towards himself? Yeah. Because it would be like, you know, he'd still be kind of attached at the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's my nitpick. <laughs> 
that's good one. Boris like smashed into his spine and then pulled forward. So like the skin of the back would have just sort of slithered <laughs> forward again and ripped. <laughs> it just snapped off. Yeah. yeah. He held it in place with the, or he removed it with the force. I don't know. There you go. What did you think of the of that whole sequence? I mean, oh, I, 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 oh, I thought the fight was good. Yeah, I mean, that was like that was all the best bit of the film. Like from from Snoke just throwing him around and whacking people on the head with lightsabers, and then death of Snoke and he fought loaded ninjas. Like I was saying like, before, <laughs> structurally wise, that's that should have been the end of the movie. Because that's the best bit. And all the things have been building up to that one moment, and then afterwards, yeah. it's like nothing never gets to that height again, and it's kind of a, and the rest of it's just sort of like a stolen nothing. What do you think of the? Um, you know, obviously Snoke was this mysterious um, hologram in the Force Awakens, projecting himself giant. Turns out to be kind of regular person sized, uh, and then he's. Um, dispatched, chopped in half. Um, do you think that was a kind of? Do you think that was a letdown, or do you think it was just interesting? Another kind of. Uh, it was like a cool moment. Uh, it's like cause nobody expected that they'd get yeah. rid of him so quickly. An- another misdirect that he's done away with in the middle of yeah. the movie. I I can't imagine a scenario where you know there would have been a revelatory answer about who Snoke is that would have satisfied me. So. I was fine with the fact that yeah, he's just some powerful evil guy. Yeah. It's, well, my yeah. money's on. In the next one, he'll come back also as like a. I think there'll be there's gonna be a Luke Force Ghost and a Snoke Force Ghost. <laughs> well, this Snoke Force Ghost will be the because in these versions we've only ever seen him as like an incredibly injured, like twisted old sort of worn out thing, and he could come back as like, in, he'll come back in his prime, and that's when we'll find out whoever yeah. he is. I mean, I don't see um, I don't see what Snoke's identity or his backstory or whatever as a mystery from the Force Awakens. Anyway, it's just information you don't know yet. Yeah, and, just, um, yeah. And the yeah, thing I think is, that they might have been going for the, um, you know, like in the original trilogy. What what a lot of people really liked about it was that there were just these references, just um, you know, tossed out there: the Clone Wars, uh, the Jungle and Wastes, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That never really gets explained, and so it sort of builds the builds the world. And I think now people are a bit spoiled because there's all these kind of explanations and ex- explorations of uh, people's backstories, who they're who they're related to, where they've come from, how they got these injuries, and so much of that was kind of undone in this, where you don't learn about Snoke. You don't. Ray turns out to be you know not related to anyone. Luke yeah. didn't have an amazing life after the fall of the Empire. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that they can't, that they went that direction. But I, I agree with you, Craig, in that there's probably no satisfying answer to yeah. any of these things that would have, you know, that would have made 100% of people happy. Yeah, other than the, I mean, obviously it's divisive because people have sat there talking about Force Awakens for the past two years, and ultimately all that chat they had about, you know, where all these things come from is, well, rendered moot because none of them, nothing comes from anywhere. But the thing is, the clue is actually in Force Awakens, if you think about it. I mean, Leia casually name-drops Snoke as if he's no real big deal. The only thing he's done of note is corrupt their son. But they're not talking about him as if he's this huge galactic threat that they need to worry about. You know, he's just... Yeah, he stole our son from us, and that's, that's the worst thing he's done. Yeah. 
And I think that they had to, they almost had to go in this direction because he is killed off. He's not mentioned or there's not really much more of his backstory. Complete opposite to Palpatine, who we get kind of the full explanation and also see him, you know, ultimately become the big bad because, you know, he wasn't really all that present in, um, until about halfway through the original trilogy and then he becomes this kind of ultimate baddie yeah. and you couldn't have done the same thing with Snoke because then it's just Emperor 2.0 yeah and that would be boring because yeah. we've already seen it yep. and they you know they did the throne room the riff on the throne room where it's like oh look here's your fleet watch me gun it down you yeah. know, and you, so you get that and then that's dealt with and he's dead and that's dealt with and then Kylo Ren's whole ethos is about letting go of the past so it's fitting that he's ultimately the one that kills Snoke because he's realising that Snoke's possibly holding him back and essentially every time that something goes wrong reminds him of his where he came from which is not what Kylo Ren wants, he wants to let go of his parents you know and and killing Han Solo is a sign of that but the fact that Snoke keeps reminding him of this is probably counter to anything that he actually wants out of life at this point I think, like, it's super, like, the whole message of this film is that you get rid of the past, like, move forward to the future, and then we're going to get a Han Solo movie. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants it. Nobody, like, it's the most unwanted Star Wars movie ever. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody nobody knows what's going to happen in it. Apparently it's out in five months, but we haven't even seen a picture of them. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, do it with the past, move forward, but also don't forget the past, because, like you said, we spent, we spent billions on this, I'm going to milk everything. I'm going to milk as much of the past and as much of it as we can. It's a weird mixed message system. My concern is, and, you know, it's going to sound like a broken record, because every time I talk about J.J. Abrams, I talk about how <laughs> profoundly disappointed I am in him at all times. I mean, it's all par for the course all now. Times. I fully expect him to undo a lot of what Ryan Johnson did in his next film. You know, so Ray's parents are going to be revealed to be whoever... You know, Snoke is going to be re- revealed to be a reincarnated whoever, and all this stuff. I think that, you know, I'm worried that he'll suddenly make people imp- important in inverted commas when they didn't need to be, and might just cling to the past once again. So it would be, and if he does that, it would be a really weird, I don't know, if you look at the, um, if you look at the uh, graph of the trilogy in terms of, you know, the, you know, adherence to the past... Uh, so it would just kind of, yeah, it would it would drop down for or, or rise up for Last Jedi, and then it would go back down or up again for, you know, whatever the next one's called because it is kind of, it's contradicting itself. I mean, I'm not saying Abrams will do that. That's just based on what I've seen from him before. That's the kind of stuff he likes to do. He likes to introduce something, then point out that it was a red herring all along. I think they just have to buy into this new cast. Of characters all in because yeah. they've that's what this whole thing this whole trilogy I mean yeah there have been a lot of references a lot of um, a lot of the criticism about Force Awakens was how derivative it was but it has been all about setting up these new characters and taking it in a new direction so I, I agree it would be very disappointing if they reverted back to type and uh, and didn't end this in a because there have been so many surprises that we've talked about in The Last Jedi so many um, misdirect so many um, 
opportunities to kind of do things in a very familiar way that have, have been taken in a different direction and I think they'd be wise to kind of top it all off in a similar fashion Yeah and I quite like the idea that J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson are kind of working against each other as well. So J.J. Abrams is like, I mean, obviously it won't be like that because you have to have this kind of franchise synergy and someone's got to be in charge of making sure that A leads to B leads to C. You know, even if you have, in the same way that the Marvel movies, everything has to build to Infinity War in some way, but you can tell whatever story in between. Um, the, f- the fact is there'll be some overseer who'll be stopping major revelations from contradicting some th- what they want out of something you know what they want out of the franchise as a whole so I, I know that it won't be like that but i quite like the idea that you know in my head that jj abrams is like oh ray could be important this whole vision that you know with obi-wan kenobi voice clips that points to her parentage or does it you know and then ryan johnson's like nope that was all rubbish so her parents are nobody snoke's nobody uh the you know the rebellion or the resistance are all but destroyed uh, I've killed all these people. Uh, Luke Skywalker's dead. So next film, I'm leaving you with essentially nothing. And then Abrams going to be like, well, I'm just going to bring all this back. <laughs> you know, then. Abrams is going to go back down that cliffside and pick up the lightsaber that Johnson just threw over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, and that ends up being a metaphor for this whole film, doesn't it? You know, that's what John's, Ryan Johnson's doing. But it's cool. <laughs> I like it when a franchise changes, you know? They, I like it when something's risky like this. Because it does... It does play around with with everything that you know, and and it never delivers anything I expect. I mean, even at the end when Luke shows up and he's not really there, but you don't know at that point, uh, you expect Kylo Ren to be like, "I'm going to go down and fight him because that's an honourable samurai type thing to do," mm. and he's like, "Nope, shoot him." And you know, on the on the immediate reactions pod, Isaac mentioned that in the Avengers films. They're always kind of formulaic, and you know who's going to win. And um, I wonder if Isaac, do you still feel like this is uh, this is good because it's in that different sort of direction to um, expectations and never knowing what's around the corner. Well, yeah, it's like it's good that yeah, it's good that we're at another point we like we're certain about anything, and I think it'll carry on being just as uncertain. I think that the first like cause he just needs to make sure that they were, like Star Wars is going to be profitable. So they were like, we can't go crazy initially. I imagine now that, like, well, crazy is well, it's divisive, but it's, it's profitable because I think it's just reached 500 million. Like, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, they can they can sort of spread their wings and have fun with it, especially if they're making the terrible bland films in between each one. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they've got that safety net. Yeah, they've got the safety net of the. The Han Solo movie and the Obi Wan Kenobi movie and the Lobot movie or whatever <laughs> coming after them. Gonk, Gonk movie. Yeah, Boba Fett movie's got to be coming at some point. I don't want to be yeah. there, you know. And that's it. And and so what I think you'll get is so alternate years. You've got like a metho- well a, a main franchise I suppose and then you've got this kind of sub franchise of all of the, the anthology stuff so um, so this year we've got well we'll say this year because it is nearly 2018 we've got Han Solo or Solo a Star Wars story which is a horrible title um, I still think it's going to be pushed back to Christmas I can't believe it hasn't been yet you know they're going to release it a couple of weeks after Infinity War no no way like <laughs> that's just not going to happen so uh 
Disney competing with themselves. Which, you know, when they're the only film studio out there, I suppose they will be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so you'll have Solo and then you'll have whatever episode 9 is and presumably Obi-Wan Kenobi and then whatever Ryan Johnson's first film is in his trilogy. Which in theory could be substituting for 10, 11 and 12 now because at the end of the day this whole episodic nine part story almost doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Because it is... It is being brought to a close, isn't it? You know, and the only way to bring it to a close is by throwing out everything that makes it happen. You know, all the all the cogs in that that nine nine chapter machine. I mean, the only thing left is Leia, and she's not left at all because she can't be in it anymore. I think that um, there, you know, we've said that the the spin-offs and the sort of Star Wars story type movies aren't don't feel as if they're going in as inspirational a direction. Because uh, it's you know going back to all this old stuff that we're saying now we want to move on from that. But I think that um, Rogue One surprised quite a few people and took a few chances. You know, it was kind of a different sort of Star Wars story the way that that, that ended. Uh, obviously, there's still a lot of you know a lot of stuff in it that was referred back to the the original trilogies and it fits you know perfectly into the very beginning of the original trilogy. But I I think there's maybe a bit more hope for um, some of these spin-offs than, than we might be uh, giving them credit for. I think as long as they don't use them to name drop whoever has sat in the background of a scene you know that kind of stuff. I think um, No, I want the, I want that sweet Wilro Hood reference <laughs> I want to see that ice cream machine <laughs> How did he get that ice cream machine? What is that ice cream machine? Maybe it is just an ice cream machine Yeah um, I think, you know, the, the universe has so much scope to it that you can tell stories about anything. I mean, I, I didn't get too deeply mired in the expanded universe because I'm only one person and I spend a lot of time reading Star Trek novels. So I can't, I, you know, I can't be in too many expanded universes at once. There's just not enough time. There's not enough of me to go around. So, uh, But from what I can tell, they do have comic books about characters you've never heard of and might never hear of because it's... You know, it's set light years away and, you know, a thousand years ago and all that stuff. You know, it's, um, they do tell just random, or they at least used to tell random stories about random people. I mean, if you look at, like, Kyle Katarn, didn't he show up in a lot of external media and he didn't really have any connection to anything? I mean, he was there for some of the events, but he's not, a, you know, he's not significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was an original character that was allowed to go in his own direction so they could do stuff like that with the, the, the anthology stuff and not connect it to the specific universe altering events that we've already seen but so far they're not planning to do that so until they start doing that I won't really be interested in them I suppose yeah well they will eventually because now that they own everything and and Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to kind of spiral on forever and ever, as will Star Wars. So we're going to we're going to get we're going to have some of those ones we're worried about. You know the kind of well worn characters backstories no one ever wanted to see, but they will eventually get onto the good stuff. Max Rebo, the untold story. <laughs> Kitster. <laughs> A life. <laughs> yeah. Good. Nice. I don't know. Um, Old Republic. That's an era I'd like to see again. 
just saying um, it's not decanonized in my head because nothing so far contradicts anything established in the, <laughs> the old republic so. <laughs> and the, the animated show which I totally recommend Star Wars Rebels is kind of slowly sneaking stuff in like that I mean it's on it's last season now but still there's still a few episodes left they could do it they could do it bring Darth Revan back into normal canon that's that's just a bit fanboyish but I do want that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's we don't know where the franchise is going next which is exciting I mean I know we're going to get Han Solo you know Han Solo the checklist you know the Winning the Falcon, the card game, the Kessel Run, etc. All that. That's Getting that life debt off Chewie. Yeah. yeah. I'm still hoping that at no point in the film he ever actually flies the... Like, he buys the Millennium Falcon five minutes before he meets Luke and Obi-Wan and it's and everything about that is just a lie. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, this 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 hunk of junk can do, can do the Kessel Run and he's just making it up just because he wants to sail. <laughs> and then... The rest of the the original trilogy and all beyond all the trick like the parting tricks he does is just pure luck. Yeah, well, he definitely wins it from Lando, or that's what he says. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, can you believe him? He's a well, no, scruffy Lando, looking Lando nerf says, uh, Lando does say he lost it to him, so unless they're both lying. Ah, they're both liars. And where is Lando? See, I think like yeah, like Canto Blight was the ideal point to have him. Just an old Billy D. Williams, like casually scamming some like long con in some invest, like some big millionaire. So I think like his his like ideal point of return has kind of been used up, really. Truly yeah. belong here with us among the alpacas. <laughs> well, uh, I read an interview with Ryan Johnson where he said the only place he could have used Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, Lando Calrissian was in the uh, was in that sequence, was in the whole. Um, and it would have been DJ's role, although he wasn't comfortable writing him as someone that would betray them, even though it would be a surprise. But I think it would be a step too far for so many people. Yeah, I, mean, I would. I wouldn't believe that Lando would betray them for money. He could have been the the one they were supposed to get. Like they could have get this dude. Like he's really good, and it was Lando, and they ended up like just missing him by like seconds or something. Yeah. So we can't find him. We'll go with this guy, and then like. Lando turns up with like a can of coke or whatever and he's like hey I was just where did they go or whatever and then it's, there's a comedy shrug and goes off to, to gets lightsabered and falls down a shaft <laughs> yeah somebody just lightsabers him <laughs> so, in, so instead of that uh, Clark Gable-esque guy on the on the table it could have been Billy yeah it could have been Lando yeah. um, Lando's like and then get there arrested. he is yeah. yeah and then like yeah some guys just come up and, and it just bolts like immediately just he just un- like undignifyingly tucks all his coins into his like into his folded up shirt like a kangaroo pouch, and like punches a dude in the head and then just jumps over the table and runs away. <laughs> no, Lando always has to have the cape. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuck up his yeah. big cape big fluttering cape, behind yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Or just pulls the cape over, cape over someone's head and then punches them in the head. So he like like that Ar- Arkham Batman style stun. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, we're going to see plenty of Lando in a few months. Not, oh, yeah, not Billy D. Williams Lando, but still. Yeah, because he's... Whichever the young Glover is, is playing Donald it. Glover, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Donald. yeah, Danny Glover's the, the old one. The lethal weapon one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you made it just in time! <laughs> 
Oh, I'll start again. Start, remember everything. Right, from the top. What did you guys say so far? For the viewers or listeners just joining us, here's the 60-second brain dump. So someone's going to... This isn't going out live. Like some, So someone's <laughs> going to download this podcast and skip you to... You wish this was going Choose out a random live. point to start it. <laughs> so for those of you who don't recognise the voice, Natalie has now joined us from the Force... The force provides. There's a blue glow around her. I think she might be a force ghost. <laughs> What's a force ghost? Oh no, she's just been drinking blue wicked. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'll have blue you know milk. that it was no sort of event. It was like a weird vodka Bacardi punch with peaches in it. It was blue though, right? No, it's just really cold outside, guys. Oh, that'll be. Oh, hello. Hey. This is maybe like the most glam I've ever looked in my life while podcasting. <laughs> Normally we don't dress up for podcasting every time we do this. <sighs> Normally I'm just in, in a like suit my right pajamas now. or something. Just as well, we're periscoping it. <laughs> <gasps> so hi, uh, you guys. Who's who's with us today? Uh, you and Thingy <laughs> here, and uh, the other one. Okay, woohoo! Thingy and the other one, love it. Yeah, that's a that's a good guest list. Okay, so where were you actually at, though, in real life? Oh, this is going to be an edit. Have you talked about um, Ray and Kylo Ren's chemistry? Because I totally want oh, to Oh, we haven't talked about Raylo yet. What? Uh, no, we haven't We haven't talked about the random shit. You've been talking for an hour. What the hell have you been talking about? Uh, how Lando could nick a load of coins from the casino. <laughs> like, how he'd use his cape as a weapon. And that's all you've talked to it? Pretty much. For yeah. the last hour and a half. That's alpacas. We mentioned alpacas a couple of times. Alpacas. What about like, the super cute um, things that Chewie Oh, the rose? Pogs. Did not mention the Pogs. We have not mentioned the Pogs. What about like, the lovely ice foxes? We don't mention Crystal them. foxes, yeah. They're also worth um, a look because they're really cute. They are lovely. Yeah. Um, I'm glad the Pogs weren't Ewoks. Like, they weren't the equivalent of Ewoks. They were a very small part of the film. And they're they're cute. They had some funny moments, some sad moments. What to cry? We talked a little bit about Luke's fish servants. Oh yeah, they were like so reminiscent. I think of like early Star Wars. And his weird Nessie cow. Oh yeah, I actually was <laughs> saying to somebody, oh, I've got to leave early because I'm podcasting um, Star Wars, and they were like, oh god, it shouldn't be a Star Wars movie, and I was like, why the hell not? And uh, and they also said that the milking, the sea cow thing was also weird. I like uh, I like Mark Hamill's like maniacal expression as he drinks the milk, <laughs> as, it, as it kind of dribbles down his chin. <laughs> He's sick of blue milk. Um, <laughs> He's moved on to green milk now. It's, it's so milk. yeah, and uh, did you guys did you guys see that there's a petition online for this to be? It's asking. For it's got eight and a half thousand signatures so far, and I think they need ten thousand for the ticket to Disney. Did you did you see that. it? Uh, yeah, although apparently the the guy who made the petition has backpedaled on it. He well, did. of course he should because it's a lot of baloney. Like it was something like, oh, if I get ten thousand signatures, we'll submit it to Disney, and then they can like remake this episode <laughs> and. Uh, and just push back episode nine or whatever, and I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Because yeah, the guy it was said that he was he was just out of surgery, and 
he was heavily medicated and he was disappointed and he lashed out and he's not comfortable with the negative direction all of this is going in, which fair play to him. I don't think it excuses anyone who signed the petition because <laughs> I know. Well, they've probably got like another leader now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. There's always someone rising up to take the place. I was like, why would you like? You're not the creator. You're not anyone who's got any of the like the creator creative leads. Like you have to listen to the people who actually wrote it. Do you also, know what I mean? um, if they say it's a Star Wars, it's a Star Wars. But also, it is Star Wars. It's like ultimate Star Wars. Well, also, I mean, I also think that like, fans are entitled to take what they want from a franchise that they enjoy. So they can, you know, look at me within the darkness, right? I hate that film, so I just don't watch it. I just pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> oh my god, so your into darkness has become like my Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean become? I've been like this for years. I'm never getting over this. You know, the, but the thing is, I just, like, I've made my, well, I haven't made my peace with it. No, you definitely have not. We have to, guys, we have to listen to this every time we didn't meet you, up. Didn't you start a petition to get that decanonized? <laughs> well, I didn't have to in the end because Simon Pegg already just made, it, made that happen. So that was great. But, like, the thing about Into Darkness is whenever I think about the uh, the J.J. Abrams verse of Star Trek movies. I watched the first one, the first ten minutes of the second one, and then I watched the third one. You know, and and that's that is that franchise for me. But the thing is with with this film, if you don't think it's Star Wars, fair enough, you're entitled to think that. Just don't watch it. Like don't ruin it for people that think it that that are happy to accept it. I'm really happy to for it to be Star Wars because I think yeah. that it's ultimate Star Wars. Yeah. I don't like this so therefore it shouldn't exist is a really bizarre Stands to take. Yeah, they seem like arseholes. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? The eight and a half thousand people that send the petition, you're arseholes. Wish I'd reconcile that position with also still hating into darkness. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing but, is, I think you can pick yeah. and choose what you want to watch. You know, the thing well, I don't like. Ex- well, I don't understand how any, any Star Wars fan can be disappointed with it. Like, there are things that you're a bit like, oh god, this maybe has gone a wee bit longer than it should have. Why are they still holed up in this cave? Why is that guy still saying, oh, we're almost there? And then and then they're not, because they're clearly miles away from doing anything. Some of it drags a wee bit, but I still totally loved it. We, we brought it up earlier where it was, um, we mentioned the fact that people... I can see why people would be disappointed in, you know, what they maybe did to certain characters. I mean, I, I like that it was taken a different direction, but other people might just want them to stay where they are or stay the, the thing that they remember. But, like, and that may be fine for them, but the fact is that they don't get it. And, you know, I don't... Look at they, how much time has passed. Look at how yeah. much time has passed in the stories. Look at how much time has passed from, like, young Luke Skywalker to current Skywalker. Like... It can't stay the same that people have pictured it being. You know, it can't stay static in, like, a particular moment. It has to move forward. But if people want that and don't get it, and then... Well, you can't have it, so get over it. This is the way it's going. It's working for them. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and um, and you need to just all grow with it. Everyone needs to grow with the new direction that they're taking in. And... Uh, and I think they've considered a lot and they've done a, an amazing job, I think, establishing a lot of the new characters. And um, and I really want to know more about them now. Like, do you know what I mean? It's got to move on. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's the circle agree. of life. But also, people, people are entitled to not like anything for their own reasons. That's right. Funny. Yeah, but don't don't go trying to destroy it for other people. 
Yeah. That, that's the problem. Jobbies. That's the problem here. It's not the not liking it, it's the tearing it apart for others. You know, I don't like this, so therefore it shouldn't be canon anymore. That's, it's just that's their stupid. whole... It's just the reasons that, that I read that they didn't like that Luke died, they didn't like that all of this, like, whatever happened. And, and I just was like, that's really what makes it such a great movie. It's the Toy Story 3 effect. I think we should just call it that now. Toy Story 3 effect. Yeah. But, um, oh, I don't know, I thought it was brilliant. I'm in that camp, definitely. Um, and we, we did have a section in the agenda for the extreme reactions that audiences have for this film. Yeah. So, so that is what we're talking about at this point. <laughs> um, and I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to be saying that people shouldn't not like this. You know, she didn't not like yeah, it. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. What? She did not not like it. So they should like it. I'm not saying that people shouldn't dislike this. You know, if they don't if they don't like it, they're completely validated in doing so. And if you can frame some kind of rational argument for why you don't like it, then fine. You know, and I mean, I'm that's what we're trying to frame a rational argument for why we do like it. So yeah. Um, I think, um, and I think there's an, an interesting discourse that doesn't happen on the internet these days. You know, where you've got the hate camp and you've got the love camp, and then there's no real space in between. Which is weirdly enough, this film is about the truth being somewhere in between, or at least partially. Mm. So, um, I think it's interesting to have that healthy debate, but you can't have that healthy debate. It's hard because Do you know we've, done, we've done quite a bit of nitpicking tonight, and it's like, yeah. you know, this isn't a crap film because of that thing we're nitpicking, but it's it does. You know, it's not a flawless film. What is? And uh, how many films are flawless? Do you know what I mean? There's no such thing. Nothing's flawless. Right. So whatever happens, and especially with how large the Star Wars fan base is, and the more like the small margin people out with that, like people are always going to find fault with it, or it's not going to carry on the way that they want it to because they've like fantasized about it for about thirty years now, but. You have to just enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is. And it's yeah. a good movie. And In fact, I'd actually say it's great. I really, well, what, really liked it. What we, what we said earlier was um, what a lot of fans seem to want is kind of variations on a theme. So what you're essentially going to get is a looped variation on everything you've seen before over and over again, which certainly doesn't interest me as a viewer. I don't know. I feel like I could keep watching it. I was trying to consider it in the context, and we have mentioned how it compares to Empire, how it um, has all these kind of references to the original trilogy, etc. Um, and I was wondering, like, what people thought of Empire when that first came out, because obviously Star Wars was a massive hit, and then Empire would have been, you know, highly anticipated, and it ends in a way that, it, you know. Well, one of the criticisms of it is it can't stand alone because it's this middle part. Yeah. You have to have Jedi as the as the conclusion. Yeah. Um, obviously, people think that Empire is, you know, the best one of the of any of them, probably. Uh, and so, you know, there's been extreme reactions to this one, but I just want I I don't know I can't until you've seen the conclusion to this story, you can't really have a a final reaction. And and of course we've we've had our immediate reactions you mm. know 15 minutes after mm. seeing it uh, at 3 in the morning 
and now we've had these kind of a chance to reflect upon it some of us have seen it again some of us will see it again and and we'll see it again and again before Mm. we even get the conclusion to this so you know there's there's plenty of time to form an opinion or to have your opinion kind of augmented depending on you know how you feel it fits in with the this trilogy with the overall universe with the original Mm. saga everything i'd go see this one again like definitely and and when we saw it and we had The Force Awakens before it and you've got all the music with it and all the music, you know, was brought up with all the different themes and, and you know, Yoda's there, like, do you know I mean, they've got Luke Skywalker back properly and, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And a lot of their new visuals as well, like, you know, when Rey is exploring her powers on the island and she finds herself in that whole, I don't know, there was a really bold new move in a lot of how they portrayed visuals for that scene and stuff and I really thought it was a, a really good move for yeah, the for the movies. I, I really loved the whole um, the, the the crate battle visually for the um, the red and white, you know, opposing mm-hmm. each other and it was just it just looked amazing, especially after there'd been so much carnage on the battlefield, just you know, the the, the smatterings of red all over the place. And then... When they're on the salt yeah. Place. Yeah. I like that for us to understand that it's not snow, they needed that guy to, <laughs> to touch it with his fingers, put it to his mouth and go, salt. Turn to the camera and say, <laughs> it's not half. <laughs> I was yeah. like, thank you, that man. You know, <laughs> I would never have known what was going on here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, seeing the falcon fly underground as well, like in the big red cave was, was super. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. The, their fighting scenes were actually, yeah, I really liked them as well. There was the one where um, Ray and Kylo Ren are squaring off in front of um, the big bad guy. Snoke. Snoke. <laughs> and they're in like that red room. Yeah. And it's like void of like any sort of detail. And it was really, it was quite stylized, like quite particularly. And, and it battle scenes were great there I really like visually enjoyed them quite a lot and obviously there's that tension that they've created between Kylo Ren and Rey where you're like oh what's going to happen and and, uh, and it was great another good visual scene I think yeah. I want to go well, back and see that again like that and, and Rey sort of experimenting and then falling down that hole yeah. I want to go back and see particular scenes again one thing we actually haven't talked about yet, um, it's probably something you'll be very interested in talking about yourself, Natalie, is uh, is the role of Leia in this film. I mean, we've mentioned her, but like, obviously this is the last time mm. we'll ever see Leia, um, unless they do something. Is it? Because I thought, she'd, I thought she'd recorded um, parts of the next episode as well. I thought no, they, they had... They haven't the started. Next... They only decided on a director a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh, okay. Because when she, when she passed away, I thought... That they'd said that they had clips that they could use for eight and nine. No, they said they said um, they definitely said she'd finished her role in this one, and that they weren't changing it. Oh right. Yeah, oh. And, uh, but they hadn't done any work for nine yet. I mean, I suppose there's a, maybe a scene that was cut they could use. Yeah, they might sort uh, of snip in or something. Aye, but but you know she's very much alive at the end of this film, and she's with the resistance, and uh, mm. you know she escapes, but. You know, there's no finality to her story. She's still there, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's very it's going to be very odd. 
it was very emotional watching it, I think. And I think it would have been for a lot of Star Wars fans actually watching this entire movie because it does hark back so much to the earlier episodes, especially when um, R2-D2 um, plays the clip oh, of yeah, Leia. Yeah. Like, That's a cheap shot, says Luke. Yeah! And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. But it was, like, it was really... It was, like, a nice little, like nod to her you know and and everything that the team have been through together and um and it was quite a beautiful little moment and it made you laugh and really sad at the exact like at the same time so yeah i don't know what they're gonna do with her actually Um, because she took such a back seat in this one because she was kind of mm, out of it for mm. for a lot of the action and then she Mm -hmm. comes back and then they're gonna have to Find some way to. Well, um, they did say they when said blown out into space. I was like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah I right. that was the end of it. I thought that was the end, and I was like, oh my god! Like, but then you know, she uses the force, and like, whoa, where's this yeah. been the whole time? But you know, but um, well, there's always been yeah. hints that she's you know got that yeah. ability inside her. So yeah, yeah. Well, really you'd expect her to, but it's her first proper um, show on screen, though. I think. Other than talking to Luke and Empire Strikes Back, she communicates using it, but never anything. Yeah, but they're also okay. Like surviving the vacuum of space. Aside from being twins, twins are known to have that sort of ability. Any, so that's not really. (laughs) You don't think that's related to the Force whatsoever? (laughs) Obviously, you can see it is. But I was just like, oh, twinnies. But um, I think that's her first proper display of using the Force. But I know that they said that they're not going to have anyone replace her. I think that they just won't include her at all. I think it'll just be that she's sort of omitted. I don't think there will be um, anything. I think they'll just move in a, in I think a new there's some way. kind of tribute to her in some way. You know. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I think it'll be... Um, she, well, Ray's going to get into uh, an X-Wing. Leia will also get into an X-Wing and then they'll reach a, for- a fork in the road. And Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth will be just crooning away, and then Leo will just like drive off down a, a, a dusty road, and that'll be the end. And that'll be a really nice send off for her. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> probably not that. Well, they might. You've probably just given them ideas. Like They're probably just like, oh, we were wondering what we we're going to do. What I reckon will happen is episode 9 will take place in like five years' time, and she'll have just died between. Like oh yeah she died ah, oh yeah since yeah like since since our last episode these are all the things that have happened yeah you have the the opening crawl will start with Princess Leia has died she's well General dead. Leia she's known as General Leia no, she's the restorer the restorer is Princess well it's JJ Abrams you know uh, but I thought she was well used in this film and she does bow out for quite a bit but the thing is uh, I wonder if like Obviously, if they if they knew that she was going to die before the film was released, I wonder if they'd have flipped her, the sacrifice scene. So instead of Admiral Holdo doing it, it would have been Leia doing that. Like no, punch, I you know. yeah. And who the hell was that? Like she was a bit of a a jobby. <laughs> um, I thought she was okay actually. I quite like her as you know as a more measured opposition. Uh, to Poe Dameron, where he was just like, "We need to do something now. I need, we need to mobilise and do something." And and she's mm. like, "No, be patient. I have a plan." And he's like, "Yeah, but her plan? plan got everyone killed. No yeah. one remembers that her plan actually messed them up." It 
didn't though. It was only because um, it was actually it was actually the uh, Finn plan that messed them up because they end up meeting up with a guy that betrayed them and told told the First Order where the transports were hiding. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that guy. So, so it is kind of Poe Dameron's fault. Kind of everyone's fault. It was a yeah. stupid plan, I guess. <laughs> well, they all suck. I think it was better than uh, Poe's plan, I suppose. I think it was interesting to see a plan fail because. You, you know, none have really failed to that sort of level before, where so many people die. I guess planets, but like other than that, <laughs> but they really are quite reduced in number by the end. Yeah, they are. I think it's really tense. Like, I really want to know what happens next. There's only a falcon's worth of resistance. <laughs> falcon's worth. It's like um, what was it like? What happens? Where's that? That happens. Another movie. Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Thor. And then Thor. Their entire planet on a ship. Maybe they'll cross worlds. It's a much bigger ship, though. <laughs> a lot more people. Either way, you've got all of your people on a ship. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's not a planet. And it's quite good that the Rebellion is reborn inside the Millennium Falcon as well. Oh, I just don't know how they're going to do it. Maybe well, they don't do it. Maybe the dark side wins. My prediction is that J.J. Abrams will bring it all to a predictable conclusion. An earth-shattering kaboom. Mm. We'll see. There'll be another Death Star in the next one. Maybe five. <laughs> they show up <sighs> every couple of films. You know, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked uh, the use of Leia. Um, Carrie Fisher really matured into the role, I suppose. You know, just uh, she's very good as that kind of leader a general thing and mm. I love her back and forth with Poe as well I think they have a really good dynamic just uh, where she slaps him in the face and is like you're demoted that was that was really good I thought it was really sad when she's like in a coma and you know like it must have been really hard I think I just kept on thinking about like the opening or whatever when they like showed it it must have been really hard for them all because that's what happened you know does she have any more or less screen time than Luke does, though? I wonder if you matched it up. I don't know. Yeah. Feels kind of even. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Like, there's a lot of scenes with both of them. Yeah, and there. the last scene they got together was very nice as well. Mm-hmm. It was so. It was so understated as well. They just talked about her hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I know it looks nice, and then, and then it was like I'm going to go kill your son now. Later, what? <laughs> that was uh, as you as you as you do. You know, uh, that's the kind of conversations that you have. Classic Jeremy Kyle episode. <laughs> yeah, Let, let's not talk about all that awkward kissing we used to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> let's just Aww. forget about all that. Mark Hamill is so cute. I, I love Mark Hamill, and the thing is, I think. Uh, since Star Wars, he's become, I mean, mentioned earlier, he's become such a personality in his own right, you know, famous for his voice acting and famous for being just great on Twitter. Uh, I don't want him to be famous for voice acting, he's really cute. But he is famous for voice acting, so. Well, it's just doing more stuff. So too bad. <laughs> too bad, yeah. He, um, he, voice, he, he appears in live action in uh, the first three seasons of The Flash. Did he not voice like a Transformer? Uh, he voices the Joker. He's famous for that. Uh, I don't know about he voice the Transformer. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, and it's like a space person. I'm not sure that maybe Mark Hamill did. He has done a lot. I feel like it's the kind of thing that he would have done. 
yeah. He he tends to voice villains. Yeah, he's did he did uh, the Hobgoblin in the nineties Spider Man cartoon, the Joker in the nineties Batman cartoon. Various other voice roles that I've seen kicking about, you know. He's interesting. I like Mark Hamill. And uh, and he's been really good in the two years before this film, you know, just trolling people on Twitter, saying things like, you know, his relationship with Daisy Ridley, they were like father and daughter, and he was like, oops, said too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that revelation. Yeah, I was like, yeah. no, this can't be the truth. And he's like, you've known it the whole time. And I was like, no, it's not true. That's not impossible. True. It's impossible. <laughs> he has been in Transformers. I'll have a quick Google. Oh. Yes. He's Woodrow Burns, King Charles, and Viacom. Take that, everybody. I know Mark Hamill's Transformers I thought stuff. he would have been Luke Beachcomber. <laughs> anyway, I knew he would have been in Transformers. Yeah. Um, no, we, we we discussed the re, the revelation. There we go. That's the new term. Uh, I I like that she's nobody, or comes from nothing. I think that's good. What did you think about all the slave children as well, who've all got like the force? Well, at least one of them has. The rest <laughs> might not. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, he's probably going to become a bad guy though. They all do. <laughs> I don't think we'll see that kid again. I think it's just to tell you that the, the scope is widening. That's all. Yeah, that the force is actually not all reliant on her. The force provides. <laughs> the force goes to bed again. <laughs> the force awakens. The force needs five more minutes. I think we've covered everything we want to cover, perhaps. Unless anybody has anything like massively significant they want to throw in as kind of a final thing that we didn't talk about. Because otherwise we'll hear all... I'm just going to say to people that if you go and see it, lighten up a bit. Because <laughs> you're taking things far too seriously. It's a movie. Enjoy it. Think nothing of it afterwards, I guess. No, that's not true. <laughs> Do think about it. But you don't have to be a dickwad about it and put a petition online saying that it should be redone. Because it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, accept all new things. Or don't. But yeah. don't ruin other people's fun. Yeah. Not accepting. You're entitled to your opinion. Yes. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> no, that's not true. Do it, whatever. But just, I don't know. I just take offence to that because I'm like, a lot of people were involved in that. A lot of people worked on it. Everything's been carefully considered. And uh, and I thought it was actually like a feast for fans to watch. Yeah, they're not going to spend $200 million remaking this film. And a visual feast. <laughs> well, why would they? Like, no. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't have made it if they thought it was going to be actual pants. I don't know. It seems to be uh, It seems to be Warner Brothers' stance on making DC films. Right, we that's DC? Yeah, like, that's DC. That's we know honestly... this is going to be rubbish, but we're going to make it anyway. Yeah, yeah. but that's because it's DC. <laughs> it's fine, though. Uh, yeah, and... So, anything else that we didn't cover that anybody wants to discuss? What are you doing for Christmas? <laughs> Listening to Christmas podcasts. <laughs> Christmas podcast in all stores now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what am I doing for Christmas? Uh, I don't feel like this should be part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so boring. Well, we might have uh, an announcement for. I'm not going to say the next podcast because we haven't done anything yet but um, in a couple of podcasts time we might have an announcement to make 
and an That seems kind of weird, eh? Yeah, it does. That's, does. Um... So, uh, keep your eyes open on the Facebook page for, <laughs> <laughs> for announcements in the new year, because uh, something's going to rock you. A podcast-related announcement? Yeah! Might have been teased months and months it's ago. It's been, been teased and teased and forgotten about, and by the time it comes out, you won't give a shit. But we're still going to do it, and uh, and we hope that you'll listen to it. It's not this Bollywood thing again, is it? <laughs> no, say no more. Say no more. It's not, but it's a, it's a secret. Um, we'll tease you with more details uh, maybe on the next podcast. Perhaps the next podcast will be this thing. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Won't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yes, so... There's that. Um, Angus, anything remaining that we didn't discuss that you want to throw in there into the melting pot? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm just going to I'm going to keep reflecting, ruminating on this, um, comparing, contrasting, imagining what the future for this trilogy will be. Um, saying hi to Paul. And hi, Paul. Hi, Kate. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Sandra. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, I'm going to reflect, and I, uh, I'm expecting my opinions to to change and augment a little bit, and I'm looking forward to kind of finding out and discovering more about this because there's probably plenty that I didn't notice. So I've mm-hmm. only seen it once, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to go back and uh, discover lots of new things Yay. about it. Show it to your mum, by the way. I'm a. <laughs> <laughs> I would shout out to mine, but she won't listen to this. She doesn't like <laughs> so. To all of the mothers out there, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Yes. Uh, we are recording this before Christmas, and hopefully it will be uploaded before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't specify which year. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Merry all Christmases from now until the end of time. Yeah, it's evergreen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Isaac, have you got anything that we didn't bring up that you wanted to discuss? Um... I saw it no, actually, I can't, I can't remember. Probably, I've probably mentioned a thing. I don't know. Uh, nah, nothing particularly. It's, yeah, yeah. good. My, my parting thought is a bit of a nitpick. It won't be my parting thought. It'll be one of my parting thoughts. Why don't they just use the light speed attack all the time? Just build a remote fleet and just light speed them into stuff. Seems pretty effective. Um, yeah, that's a boring question. I know. Finances. Oh, it's all boring financial stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, there'll be some rule in the Star Wars universe that you can't remote control a ship into light speed or something like that because you need to pull a lever. Yeah, can't do that remotely. That it way. makes perfect sense. It does. No, my, my actual parting thought is I love this movie. It's actually what I wanted from Force Awakens, which I have gone on record by saying I thought was really derivative. Um, although I don't understand the fans that say that it's derivative. And then that this one's too different. You know, which one do you want? Uh, I thought, yeah, I don't want derivative. I want more of this. And um, hopefully I'll get more of this. Although with J.J. Abrams back at the helm, I'm not 100% sure that's going to happen. But uh, the gauntlet's laid down. J.J., if you're listening, surprise me. <laughs> I was surprised. Yoda was in that. Hi, J.J. <laughs> well, J.J. was the director. How did you Yeah. No, Ryan oh, Johnson anyone, surprised me. Is anyone still on board for the Finn and Poe relationship? 
Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be fun. They can yeah, still Paul, be. Paul Dameron spends a lot of his time. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, that girl. Did you guys talk about that girl? We just not did. Really, actually. Uh, <laughs> nah. Nah. She's not dead. At least I don't think she is. Yeah, because she's going to be like a new love interest and then that's okay because it frees Ray and Kylo Ren up for totally hooking up together. But what about Poe Dameron and Finn? Poe Dameron is a grown-ass man. He is. He's got love for BB-8. He's got... Yeah, he's like... Apparently, he just, apparently, he's a career-driven man. He's all about just what... You know, it's just about his career. Because uh, Poe Dameron fixed up the jacket. You know, and like... Uh, Finn got the jacket sliced up. Yeah. It's in the thingy book. The Poe Dameron personally hand-stitched the jacket back together so he could give it to him when he got out the the thing. Which is definitely that's a... Because... Uh, that's definitely a sign of love. No, well, yeah, but as a friend, because he saved his life. When it all comes true, I'm going to credit you, Isaac, with being on the Poe Finn hype train since day yeah. one. A Poe Finn shipper. Yeah. Exactly. A pin? Is it pin? Is that the relationship name? I don't it's know. It's better than foe. For, yeah. Let's go for pin. Pin. Yeah, we're all about pin. <laughs> what I don't want is a Poe Finn Rose love triangle. I hate love triangles. Yeah. Sorry, I'm laughing at a video about golden retrievers. Oh, yeah, I've been watching. There's a video of a dog getting told off that I watched for a bit as well. <laughs> this I is how interesting our podcast is. Even the people on it can't be arsed. <laughs> but honestly, like this dog is so cute. <laughs> Link up in the show notes. Yeah. Um. Can I can I actually send it? It says yes. it's on like a page called Hailers and it says aren't they the best? And it's send like me the, send me the link. Oh. Go I'm gonna tag in it right I'm gonna tag in it right now. Okay. Hold on. Oh, Hold on. Craig Where are you? Mackenzie. This is all gonna be edited out because this is just Natalie. No it's not. This is what people want to hear. They want to no, hear what not. we got up to. No one wants to hear this. Yeah they do. <laughs> no. Everyone loves dogs. There it is. Coming up soon, a podcast all about how much we love dogs. <laughs> I can't believe all of that was edited out. Right, are you going to watch it? Because it's super cute. I'm not going to watch it right now. I'll watch it later. Okay. I'll be a looking, responsible podcast. I'll be looking to podcast about your immediate um, reactions to it. Uh, well, tough. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Yeah, so uh, I want something new. This gave me something new. I'm excited about the future of the franchise. I can't wait for Ryan Johnson's trilogy now. You know, he is definitely the right sort of guy to take on this franchise. Uh, he's, you know, he's got fresh ideas. He's interesting. He, he's good at he's good at sticking to what we know about the characters while subverting the expectations we have of them. And that's important because he manages to change the characters without completely changing the characters. You know, they're still they're still who we recognise underneath, but they've they've changed. So that's good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, All so right. on, that, on that note, uh, I think it's a good time to wrap up. So May the force be with you. May the force be with with you all, yes. May the Christmas be with you. That too. So Angus, thank you for coming out of your uh dark mirror cave. <laughs> I found my way out just in time. That was it. Natalie, thank you for showing up at the end like you have done in the past. Thanks. I live in a trash compactor. Good place to live. I don't know. Uh, Isaac, <laughs> thanks for coming from the, the light side of the horse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiasm. And, yes, yeah, may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>
And thank you, Craig, for all that you do. All oh, of it. No one's ever thanked me before. I'm so humbled. <laughs> thank you. And when we think about this podcast in years to come, remember, the greatest teacher failure is. That was our discussion on Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Thanks to YouTubers Chelsea Cornell and Ian Wright for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. From all of us here at Neil Before Blog and Neil Before Pod, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We hope you'll join us for more exciting editions of Neil Before Pod.